Man, it's good to see your faces. I'm telling you. Wow. Amen. Mm. It's good to be past all that snow stuff. It's good to be in a warm place. It's good to have water that works in our house. Uh, I hope that's been everyone's experience, at least, or that's where you are now. Uh, I hurt for those who still are without. You know, we began this series deeper uh, in January, and uh, none of us knew what 2021 would be and how God would use events to do that very thing, to take us to deeper places. And I had no idea how God would take me and Heather to some places we'd never been before. I hope you'll bear with me today as we make it through this. I got my Kleenex. I hope you have yours. Um, Today I want to uh, talk about uh, the journey we've had through COVID. And it's such a strange virus that affects everybody in different ways. Uh, Heather's parents and sister uh, received positive test results. And her mother had no symptoms. Sister, you know, mild flu-like. Her dad, light cold. Yeah, sinus infection. Uh, For me, uh, 16 days of fever. Uh, I'm in week five, and I still don't have my breathing capacity back. Um, It was a long, difficult, dark journey, as I'll uh, walk through today. I do want to express my appreciation for uh, some folks, for our church staff, who, when I couldn't, they continued the ministry of Vertical here. They made, yeah, thank you. They carried on a, a Disciple Now weekend with students. They did the daddy-daughter dance. They continued our Sunday services and, um, and kept ministry going here. And for them, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for Heather's dad, Nick Harris, uh, who was my mentor in ministry, who filled in here two weeks and his church allowing him to do that. Um, I'm grateful for Jeff Seif. For, yeah, amen. Yeah. For him and Barry being a part of our church and him willing to give his time and uh, ministry here on those Sundays. Watching online is great. I'm grateful for our crew that makes this available to those who can't be here. And it was a lifeline for us on Sunday mornings. But I'm going to tell you, there's nothing like being here. It's different. And I'm grateful for that. Um, Heather, um, she got to have most of the contact with the outside world when I couldn't. And I know she has some uh, appreciation she wants to express. Yes, and I'll just say, it is so good to be back here, see all of your faces. The vertical online community has been great. We've loved being able to keep up with everyone and stay in contact, but man, there isn't anything like just being back, talking with y'all and 
hugging you. And, um, and I'm so grateful for all the calls and texts and messages. I know some were like, I don't want to bother you, but man, it never bothered me. It was, that was like a lifeline to me to, to know that there was so much concern and um, so, so grateful for all that. And, and I received my daily phone call from Mr. Phil, always re- ready for an update and sometimes a text to follow up. And um, we stayed in contact and I just really appreciate that so much. And um, my mom and dad, they were just so great, so encouraging. They could come in because they had had it. And um, he was able to pray for, for us and uh, just be there. Just, we needed that. And, um, and our kids were such a solid support for us and their partners um, throughout the beginning, middle, and end of, of the sickness. They were sending scripture verses and songs, researching health articles, and um, bringing food, and, and sending pictures of the grandkids and videos, and that was always a bright spot, and um, um, praying and reminding Dad of some of the message he had, messages he had recently preached on. <laughs> and uh, so thankful for our good friends, um, that had a medical background, thank you, Connie, and um, for our, and that was including our daughter-in-law Brooke, who also gave encouragement and instructions. So, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, what I share today, I don't want in any way to cause represent that my case was worse than anyone else's, because uh, I know Tommy and Georgina Cole who are at home today still, who had to spend time in the hospital, uh, had a very difficult time. Uh, Jeff Hatton had surgery and COVID on top of that, and so he's, uh, he's been on crutches and in bed a lot. So, um, but the Lord did some things in me in this process, and that's really what I want to share today. I had some of the more classic symptoms, I guess, of COVID, the fever and the chills. Uh, 16 days of fever is brutal. Um, headaches, uh, of course, you know, lose your sense of taste and smell and still don't have that back fully. Coffee is just a hot beverage. Oh, that's rough. Um, for me, uh, probably the thing that was most debilitating was just the absolute loss of all energy. Uh, man, I, there were times I, I didn't know that I could even make it to the bathroom. And making it and back, I just collapse onto the bed. Uh, somewhere in the journey, I sat in the recliner just to have a change of scenery from the bed and stayed there too long in an awkward position got up and something went in my back and so for you know another 10 days that would be something miserable to deal with so um, those are kind of the physical things I dealt with but I also as the process went on uh, it started affecting me in my mind and you've heard some of my testimony in the past, my story in dealing with uh, fear, 
anxiety, depression. Uh, just be honest, it, it started kicking in. And it began to be very difficult. All of a sudden, in my thoughts, I, it seemed as though this would never end. It, it, seems like to, it seemed like to me this was only going to get worse. I couldn't see beyond being sick. And the days were just difficult. Nighttime, challenging, because I knew I couldn't sleep well. Uh, there were some nights I didn't sleep much, and one in particular where I slept none. That's, uh, that's tough for me. So to try to pass the time and get my mind off of it, Heather and I turned to Hulu and Netflix. So it was Andy Griffith reruns that we had seen plenty of times. Um, it was Little House on the Prairie. Uh, Psych. That, was, that was preparing us for this week. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was getting us ready for the snow. Uh, Psych and some Star Trek, of course. Uh, those helped pass the time. But um, after my thoughts kind of got to a place where I was in a bad spot, then my emotions got dark. And um, I just wanted to cry all the time. If I got a text from somebody, if I was watching Vertical, I just spent, I had, I just felt like I had zero in my physical strength my mental ability and even my emotions. And it was uh, dark. I'm grateful for family and friends who would come. Uh, the kids would come and stay at a great distance, even far away in our house. But their presence and their words and their reminders were powerful. And reminders of scripture and as Heather said, them reminding me of things I had said, uh, it's important. Uh, we should speak truth to ourselves, and when we can't speak it to ourselves, somebody else needs to speak it to us. And I needed that. I desperately needed it. Um, it's just a funny feeling when you know, you've made it your goal to be the one leading and inspiring and protecting, and then all of a sudden, you're the recipient because you, you don't have it in that moment. So uh, I'm so grateful for my kids and for friends and for family. Um, but there was another level even for me that was happening on the level of my spirit. There was a place where I was really struggling at the core of who I was. I was asking some questions about my faith and I didn't have the strength to even process all of it. There were times I wanted to pray and I couldn't. There were times I needed to remind myself of some truth, I didn't have it. <clears throat> I, I wanted to fight, it just it wasn't in me. And that's where Heather became my warrior. She became everything I needed in that moment. 
She was by my side constantly. She didn't leave to go sleep in another bedroom because we think she had COVID actually back November, December-ish. Yeah, somewhere back over there. <laughs> she made sure I was eating, even if it was just half a banana, which was about all I could get down sometimes. Sweet potato. <laughs> Sweet potato. She made sure I was taking some Tylenol and some medicines and some vitamin C and some vitamin B and some zinc and, you know, down the line. That stuff make you burp a lot, that's all I know. <laughs> she kept me hydrated with um, water and Gatorade and Pedialyte popsicles. And she was monitoring my, pro my progress. But more than that, she became my spiritual warrior. And I remember times when I, couldn't, I could not pray. And I would ask her to pray. And just to hear her voice, her faith, would settle all my anxious thoughts. Amen. And we would go to sleep listening to worship music. I couldn't sing. She could. We'd sit together on the couch and listen to music and worship in ways that I have it before or we have it before together. The enemy knew my weaknesses and he was going hard after me. I was battling, but I was exhausted. Now, uh, it'd probably be good for you to hear Heather's perspective as she sat and watched uh, and cared for me during that time. So yes, I'll let uh, her talk for just a little while. Back up just a little bit. So Brian was tested and he received a negative test at first, which relieved me. I thought, well, this has got to just be the flu. And um, even though I knew he would be miserable for, you know, a week or 10 days, I, I knew he'd had the flu before. I knew his body knew how to fight it. And um, I mean, not trying to be unconcerned but nope. uh, <laughs> but when he did test positive for COVID um, the next time we went to the clinic um, then my level of alertness went up a bit more and my concern because I, I didn't know how it was going to affect his body and um, so um, on uh, by about day nine or ten his body mind and spirit were all all fighting in a battle. His body was fighting the virus and his mind was battling depression and his spirit, I believe, was battling Satan. And um, this virus is very real and Satan, as the enemy, is very, very real. He, and he is a deceiver and he's a liar. And um, it was then though that uh, I knew I had to change my strategy uh, it, it became more than just making sure that he took his meds and his vitamins and making sure that he ate and is, um, stayed hydrated. I began um, praying out loud over him. Second um, Timothy 1.7 was spoken many times. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Yeah. And um, it, it just made me so angry 
at Satan to know that he seemed to be gaining ground on my husband and wanted to smash his face. Um, just to look at, not your face, but <laughs> just to look at his face and his posture, I could just visibly see just worry and fear and defeat just etched over him and it broke my heart. And um, together, this is one of the songs that Brianna sent us. Um, we would listen to the worship song, Authority, and uh, we would just both be in tears and just listen to these words of the second verse. The darkness fears the voice that drove it back before, and though the night is long, I know your light will drive it back once more. One word from you, things change on your authority. Your word, it's true. Things change on your authority. Yeah, amen. And I just remember telling Brian uh, one night that he needed to tell Satan to get out of here. And I did tell him to get out and stay out. And I would look at Brian and have him look at me and just repeat, I am going to get better. We did that several times. And sometimes it was very feeble that he would say it. But I got him to say it a little stronger. And... um, This is how I envisioned it. I felt very much like he was in an ultra marathon. Um, His body was spent, fatigued, and completely depleted, but we were gonna make it to the finish line. And uh, my goal was to get him to believe that God was working in him and was far greater than uh, the sickness and the depression and the fatigue, and God would see him through this and both of us through it yeah. and I I could see the finish line before he could but um, we were going to get there together Yeah, and we have and I'm grateful for what Heather has provided for me in the midst of this time it, this will sound so ridiculous to some but I'll tell you what was happening in me Statistics today reveal that 98 to 98, I'm sorry, 98 to 99, that there's a 98 to 99% recovery rate for COVID. Satan got me focused on the 1 to 2%. And he did a number on me. And for me, it began to be settled. This is going to sound ridiculous, I realize. In the fact that if I had to go to the hospital, it was all going downhill from there. And thoughts of, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to struggle. I don't want to suffer. Were just being hurled at me continually. So there came a day, weeks in, where we realized, I got to get some kind of professional counsel, advice, care. So we went to Midlothian um, Urgent Care 
one of those deals where you drive up and the doctor comes out to you in your car. Wow, it was awesome. He kind of did a quick analysis and he said, you need to go to the hospital. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is the thing I have dreaded. But the more we talked, the more Heather and I talked, I knew it was right to do. It was a struggle. And it took a lot of conversation from Middle Earth to Waxahachie. But we went in. Of course, Heather can't go back with me. And in the ER, they're running tests and it's taking time and I'm just, I'm battling through the whole process. Finally, a doctor comes in and says, um, you have the classic lung conditions of COVID, but we do not see any reason to keep you here in the hospital. Oh God, thank you. And we went home that night and that was the, that was the day following the night I had not slept any. When we walked back into the house, I was at this, I've never felt so depleted of everything within me. I just collapsed on the couch and slept, which was a good thing. It was about this time that um, there was a, a surge in activity on the vertical community group page on Facebook. And uh, Mike Stutt issued the call, who will fast and pray with me for Brian? I didn't see this for a couple of days later. That day when he did that, into that night, my fever broke. That was day 16. I'm confident that it was that that the Lord used. And it, it just, it taught one of the lessons that I have learned through this process, which I, I've known in my head, but it's very different when you experience it. The absolute need we have for one another That's right. in the body. Yeah. I, there's a story in the New Testament about a man who was paralyzed and he couldn't get to Jesus but his four friends picked him up and carried him to the house and they took him up on top of the roof and removed the roof and lowered him down. That's what I felt like that day. And I'm grateful. So um, that is some of the journey that we've been through. Um, in just a moment, I wanna, I wanna show you a passage and, and tell you some things that God taught me. But uh, I want you to help me express to Heather how much appreciation we have for her for helping me in the process. key or main passage that the Lord really brought to my attention, um, Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is a, a prophetic look at the sufferings of Jesus on the cross. It describes not just physical sufferings, 
but what he was going through in his own mind, emotions, and spirit. Now, I'll just say up front, I do not put myself on the level of Jesus and what he suffered. What I experience is small compared to that. But it gave me a glimpse into what we're gonna see today, what he suffered for us. And I think by the time we're through today, you'll have a greater appreciation, love, and sense of worship because of what he endured for us. You know, often when we watch movies about the crucifixion, it depicts the horror of the physical dimension. But what happened beyond the physical is of far greater importance and far greater suffering. Psalm 22 takes us down that path and it uses some pictures to help us understand what the New Testament tells us and that he, the Father, made him the Son who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The one who was innocent took on the place of the guilty so that those who are guilty could take on the place of the innocent. Powerful gospel truth. Let's jump into this passage because I believe actually that Jesus either quoted out loud or meditated on this psalm while on the cross. Verse 1 of Psalm 22 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you've been around Christianity for a while, you recognize those words. Those are the exact words that Jesus spoke from the cross. So he was either quoting this psalm, portions of this psalm, but he was experiencing this. Now, Though it's popular in Christian music to say that the father turned his face away from the son, I do not believe that happened. I'll show you that here in just a moment. I believe scripture says it. But when you have guilt in your life, it'll make you feel like the father's turned away from you. And what Jesus was experiencing in becoming the sin sacrifice for us caused him to sense that the father had forsaken him. But there's something incredibly doctrinally troubling about the father forsaking the son. It cannot happen. But Jesus is expressing what he was experiencing. I'm going to skip on down. It's a lengthy psalm. We're going to look at some pieces of it today. I want to skip down to to verse 12, where where the passage, I believe, describes what Jesus was experiencing, uses language of the day, and it says, many bulls have surrounded me. 
strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. The language here describes an angry bull wanting to attack its prey. And the reference here to the bulls of Bashan referencing a very specific large bull that was known for its tactics of encircling its prey and then attacking. I believe Jesus on the cross was facing the voices and the horrors of the worst and most vile demonic voices that exist. And these words describe this spiritual force and attack that he was bearing. Not something that anyone would have seen physically, but if you could have seen into the spiritual realm, you would have seen the most vile forces speaking out against him, wanting to bring an end to the possibility of salvation, wanting to bring an end to Jesus prematurely, wanting to laugh at his pain. Because if they could get him to give up, if they could get him to deny his father, if they could get him to truly believe that the father had turned away, if they could get him to give in to anger or any sin in that moment, then there would be no salvation. Because then he would not be the sinless savior that would be necessary to purchase our salvation. And so they're hurling accusations at him. They're surrounding him. They're mocking him. They're telling him that the father has left him. They're telling him there is no hope. And Jesus is hearing all the voices like angry bulls surrounding him. Verse 13 says, they gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. They are snarling, casting insults, casting blame, doubt. They are saying, you can't trust your father. He has abandoned you. You're not worthy. Everyone has forsaken you. You can't atone for sin. You're weak. You're pitiful. Turn your back on him. Die as you are. All in an attempt to get Jesus to turn his back on the Father. If the forces of evil could do it, it would have brought an end to the possibility of salvation. And you and I would still be in our sins. Because it would only be a sinless Savior who could atone for our sins. Verse 16 says, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. The most heinous, wicked, insulting, accusing, condemning, self-exalting, arrogant voices are growling at Jesus on the cross. An entire Congregation, as it says in the psalm, surrounding him, hurling their insults. It all looks pretty hopeless up to this point. But into the darkness, into what's happening, 
Jesus speaks. Verse 19. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. He cries out in the midst of it to the Father. He cries out in the midst of the suffering. He cries out in the midst of all the voices that are speaking against him. He cries out, you are my strength, God. Come quickly to help me. Verse 20, deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Deliver me, God. Deliver me in spite of what they're saying. Deliver me in spite of what the situation looks like. Deliver me when they are hurling their worst. Verse 21 says, save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. Jesus is crying out for deliverance. If the Son of God is dependent upon the Father at that level, who are we to think we can handle our crises, our struggles, without crying out to the Father? And he cries out. He speaks. And scripture makes this pause. It's one of those moments that if you're watching a a movie today, the producer and the writer would have the scene just, just slow down and there'd be a pause. There'd be silence. And I love the way the passage unfolds because what happens next is critical. And with all of the weight of eternity hanging in the balance, verse 21 continues and says this, you have answered me. From the cross, Jesus is crying out to the Father and he says, you not just have heard me, but you have answered me. And I picture it as though Jesus is on the cross. There's a physical realm who's observing what's happening. There's a spiritual realm of darkness that is hurling the most vile accusations you can imagine. And in that moment, in Jesus' spirit, they all go silent. They're still doing their thing, but he no longer hears them. Instead, he hears the voice of the Father reminding him who he was. He hears the voice of the Father reminding him of what his task was. He hears the voice of the Father saying, a seat of glory awaits you. And there, Jesus breathes his last. And he says, it is finished. There, the Father has answered him and delivered him. He had taken on the most vile forces known. He had taken on your sin, your guilt, the judgment for all you have ever done in offense to God. He had taken on every accusation from the enemy. 
He had taken on the judgment for sin, the wrath for sin. He absorbed it into himself. He finished without sin. And he finished in full obedience to the Father. We know the story of what happens next. There's victory that happens at the cross, but the real victory is what happens three days later. Because there's a moment where Jesus defeats death, hell, the grave, the enemy, because the stone rolls away and Jesus is resurrected and he is alive. Amen. And it's visible proof to us that he has been victorious. Now, I want to read on the other side of this psalm because it continues in what I believe are Jesus' words and thoughts after the resurrection. Look at verse 22. I will declare your name to my brethren, disciples and more. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. Verse 23. You who fear the Lord, praise him. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Verse 24. Watch this. Nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. The father never turned away from the son. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, let me give you rock solid confidence based on God's word. He will never turn away from you. Amen. I'm telling you, it's truths like this in the midst of my own struggle that were spoken to me that became my hope. I can't emphasize enough the importance of having others be able to speak those truths into your life. It just becomes abundantly clear and obvious why Jesus created the church, why Jesus created family, why Jesus created community. If you're in the isolation, you're in a vulnerable spot because that's where the bulls come around to, to encircle you in your isolation. So let me, let me just wrap this up today with some personal lessons. I'm in awe today of what Jesus endured for me. The small taste I had of voices of evil accusations, doubt, to know that he faced that on a much grander scale, I'm just in awe of that kind of love. Love that did that for me and for you. It has increased my love for him, my worship, and my faith. It has increased my confidence of knowing he hears me. 
that he fights for me and that he will deliver me. Um, It's intensified my desire to know more truth. It's almost embarrassing as a pastor to be telling you in my darkness, I couldn't lean on the truth that I needed to. So I have begun a process of filling my mind with truth, more truth. Not just information about the Bible, but truth. I've started memorizing scripture again. Not just for the purpose of storing it up in a bank, but memorizing so I can meditate. I can't tell you how many nights I went to sleep with. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. I would just say that over and over, soaking in those truths. Those I believe are rebuilding my thoughts and giving me a greater arsenal to fight against evil. Um, I'm even more determined to help others who suffer at the hands of accusation, condemnation, and intimidation from the enemy. I have a fresh awareness of those compassion for those in it and a desire to see people freed from it. I'm filled with overwhelming gratefulness for my wife, my kids, their spouses, this church. It feels as though it has profoundly changed me. And I have a new desire to want to declare his greatness even more. So, that has been my journey. I hope these words today are an encouragement to you. I would, I'd want to say this. If you're an unbeliever today and you've not taken the step of coming to know Jesus Christ, then I'd invite you to that. Because the darkness that you're in is overwhelming and you know it. The place that you're in right now is too much to bear and you know it. It hurts, it's lonely, it's it's frightening. And the gospel invites us to come to turn from our own self-sufficiency, turn from our own attempts to solve everything, turn from our own dependence upon ourself and our resistance, and to repent and say, God, I need you. I need you in me. I need my guilt removed. I need someone who can fight against the forces of darkness that plague me.
the gospel invites us to believe. And when we do, he comes in to reside permanently. He comes in to fight your battles. He comes in to deliver and rescue you. So if you're not a believer, cry out to him today and begin the journey with him. If you are a believer, God is in the process of taking you to places deeper than you've ever imagined. He doesn't do it with some, he does it with all of his children. He knows how to arrange events. He knows how to arrange circumstances that are uniquely designed for you. That's why you shouldn't look at anybody else's life and compare and contrast and be jealous or... No, God is wise, God loves you, and he knows exactly what you need to go deeper with him. He knew I needed this experience. I never asked for it, trust me. But he knew, and this is what he does. He calls us to deeper trust, deeper vision, deeper faith, deeper ability to see his power, and a deeper sense of knowing he loves you. He's calling you to himself. He wants you to experience his life. So I want us to pray this morning. I'll pray for those who are lost. You may be here, you may be watching online. I want us to pray for those who are facing illness, COVID, whatever it might be. I want us to pray for those who are walking through some life struggles that they never ask for. But I want us to pray that out of that, we would be drawn deeper to the Savior who loves us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, today, I'm so grateful for your grace, your peace, and your love. I'm grateful that in my time of need, your throne became a, a beautiful place of grace. Even when I couldn't get there on my own, I thank you for all those who took me there. God, I pray for those who are here or watching online who don't know that kind of peace, who don't know that kind of love, who struggle with their guilt, who struggle with what the future is, who struggle with their eternity. I pray that today, oh Spirit, that you would move in their life, that they would hear you calling that they would be broken for their past, that they would cry out in desperation for you, that they'd repent of what they've done and see you as the one who is the savior for their life. And God, I pray for believers this morning. You have 
written into the fiber of eternity and even what it means to be your child, that it's the struggle that calls us to places of greater dependence and love and need and worship. And I pray that in our darkness, we would not be bitter, we would not blame, we would not be jealous of others, but it would turn our heart to you. That in crying out, you would take us to places that we've never been before, places of trust, places of insight, places of intimacy with you, places that truly transform our hearts. God, I pray that would be true this morning and for all those who are watching. We are grateful, God, and we will be those who will declare your praises in the midst of the congregation, in our homes, on our streets, in our places of work, and wherever we go, that you are the king above all kings, and you are the Lord above all lords, and you have come that we may have life and life more abundant. And may that be our life message, and may that be the message of this church. God, we are grateful, and we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.